Ponzik and Jaden. It's his friend and bachelor, 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 live from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It's his friend and bachelor, bachelor, bachelor. Welcome back to Halford & Bruff Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Jason Bruff here. This hour of Halford & Bruff is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit campbell-pound.com today. Also by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Uh, we now go to wait, the. Wait, oh, wait, what are we waiting for? I screwed it up last time. Kintech. Yeah. Kintech. Oh, man. Tough stuff. Um, we now go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call, where we are joined by Sportsnet 650's play by play voice for the Vancouver Canucks, Brendan Batchelor. And Batch, of course, the most important thing happening in your life over the last uh, few days the Canucks have lost two games in a row what's going on man <laughs> yes i know just uh, devastating that the yeah. special teams have, have cratered here over the last week so <laughs> that's definitely what i've been focusing yeah. most of my time on for sure how is rory swervin mervin bachelor doing he's doing really good um yep healthy home from the hospital everybody's happy everybody's doing well everybody's sleeping well so uh things are good if so you don't mind me asking doing. where did the yeah. mervin come from you don't exactly. you don't hear my, many mervins anymore yeah, it's actually my grandfather's name. Oh, so okay. It's a, a tribute to him, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe he'll have uh, some of the moves of Swerve and Mervin as well. We'll have to wait and see once he gets older. <laughs> Batch, what did you uh, make of the game yesterday? Do you, like, can you have a, a takeaway from that game that doesn't last like half an hour? No, I don't. I, I just think it's like one of the wildest games we've seen in uh, in recent memory with this with this team, but. Um, you know, if it was the five on five play that had let them down, then maybe I would look at it and say, okay, there are some concerning things there, but you know, even in the the last two games, whether it was the, the loss to the jets or the loss to the wild, it hasn't been five on five play. It's been special teams that have cost them. And, um, you know, in a small sample size like that, it's not something that should concern you. I don't think because special teams are going to go through ebbs and flows and ups and downs, over a long season and you know specifically with the game yesterday that's the first time that the Canucks have lost in regulation when leading going to the third period this year and there have been seasons in recent memory where you know that's happened five times in the first seven games or something like that it feels like so um, you know it's a weird game it's a wild one we'll see how they respond today and I think that's maybe the most important takeaway from a game like that is how do you bounce back from it what do you learn from it or or what sort of learning lesson can you take from it as Rick Tockett would say what did you make of Tockett's um, post-game comments where he wasn't uh, he didn't seem at all interested in talking about the refereeing he seemed downright mad at his team well, you can understand why, because, you know, there are a couple of controversial plays in that game, but um, nothing that would lead you to say, okay, you know, you gave up 10 goals, um, but the refs were the reason you lost. Anytime you give up that many goals, you have to look in the mirror and, um, you know, you, you look at a number of those calls that led to the five on three penalty kills and 
they're penalties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was at the Bluger high stick, I think, was one of them. That was absolutely a penalty. The Miller over the glass, you know, textbook penalty, no arguing there. So, you know, over a long season, you're going to have calls go against you. And, you know, I think in particular the last couple of games, we could isolate and spend a lot of time discussing some calls that went against the Canucks. But at the end of the day, if you're in a playoff series, you're going to have games and calls that go against you. And it's not about, you know, moaning and and feeling sorry for yourself and playing the victim. It's about, okay, how do you respond? What do you do next? And that's the mindset that Rick Tockett is going to take coming out of this. And it doesn't surprise me that that's the mindset that he wants his team to have as well, because he's a guy that's been through a lot of those battles in long postseason runs, whether it was a player or as a, an assistant coach with the Penguins and, um, you know, dwelling on things that go against you or trying to call out the refs is not necessarily something that can benefit you. I think, you know, you could argue that, you know, the, the comments Myers made after the Winnipeg game might have led to, to some of the officiating that we saw in the Minnesota game, because we know that officials don't like to be highlighted or, or called out. And, and that's something that, that, you know, is, is kind of uh, that we've seen historically in the NHL anyway. So I think what Tockett understands that there are times where you can tell that he's hot at the officials mm. and he's basically biting through his ton, tongue to not say anything about them because what's it going to do? What, what good is going to come from, from calling out the officials in a, in a post-game media scrum? You know, I think you can work the officials during a game and we've seen Tockett have lots of dialogue with referees but after a game's over, is you popping off in the media going to do you any favors? No, I don't think so. I think at the best, it's going to land you a fine and maybe have officials think differently about you know the, your relationship with them if, if you're going to go and spotlight them in the media. So looking at this game tonight, Batch, uh, what do you think the most important thing to see from the Canucks is? Because, you know, on the one hand, it is, I think, so vital that you don't let uh, a tough loss or a couple tough losses in the row kind of snowball, but... You know, we also have to recognize this is a back-to-back against Colorado, one of the toughest places, if not the toughest place, to play in the league against a very dangerous Avalanche team. Yeah, tonight it's all about process, which I'm, you know, that's sort of coach speak, but how do they play, how do they respond, regardless of the result? Because, you know, as you allude to there, this is one of those scheduled losses where you're playing a rested team, but you're on the second half of a back-to-back and you had to travel. And maybe the back-to-back factor isn't as prevalent as it might be because it was a day game yesterday and it's a night game tonight. So you do have a few extra hours in there. It's, it's not, you know, under 24-hour turnaround or anything like that. But you are going to altitude. This is a good Colorado team. Um, so it, it is entirely possible that you're looking at your first three-game losing streak of the season after the end of the game tonight. And, you know, I, I don't know if I want to say that's okay, but that was bound to happen at some point, especially with, you know, some of the injuries they're facing right now. So it's not about whether you win or lose against the Avalanche tonight. It's about the way you play, how you respond to adversity. Uh, can you get back to some of the staples and the structure that Talkett has always sort of preached? And to be honest, I don't think they've really gotten away from some of those things at five on five, maybe with the exception of some of the, the stick penalties that they took in the game yesterday but you know continue to play to your staples you know if your power play can can give you an edge this is the kind of game where you would really like it to do so um you know how can the penalty kill respond to a disappointing game for them giving up four goals on six opportunities for the wild and and that's sort of the the lens that i look at this game within tonight because 
you know, there are a lot of teams in this league, very good teams that lose this game regardless of how they play. So it's more about how you play than whether you get the two points at the end of the night. What do you remember about the last time these two teams met? I think it was in November. It was a 5-2 Colorado win. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't remember very much about it. Yeah, so, neither do I. I remember uh, Andre Kuzmenko kind of... was waving his stick at a point shot and then got benched the next game. That's what I remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's, it's, for me, it's one of those games that is kind of blended into what's been a, a very long <laughs> season. And, you know, it's, it's been a, a successful year for this group. But, um, you know, I think Kale McCarr was going pretty well at that point. He mm. had a, a long point streak. Um, but, but other than that, there aren't many things that, that jump out to me. And as I quickly pull up the box score here to look back at it, Panicking. the only thing that I, can, <laughs> that I can say about this game as compared to the last couple of games is that it's a game that got away from them in the third period where they gave up three unanswered goals to lose five to two after being tied through 40 minutes. And if there is one takeaway from the last couple of games, it's that the Canucks third periods have cost them, whether it was, you know, all the, the shorthanded um, situations yesterday in Minnesota, or whether it was, you know, the jets kind of leaning on them and, and picking up the win in the third period on Saturday. So um, maybe that's something to watch for tonight is how can they respond if they're in a tight game going to the third period. But like, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm, I'm looking at this box score and nothing is coming to mind for me in terms of like, oh yeah, I remember this play or, yeah. or this happened. Like, Riley Tufty was those... the first star of the game. Am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, Riley Tufty's a person. Like, yeah. that <laughs> happened. I called a game with him in it. Like that. That's kind of uh, that's kind of what I think about when I look back at that game. To be honest, um, who gets the responsibility tonight? Uh, obviously, Demko is going to be responsible for some of this, but stopping Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, well, it's, whenever you're on the road, it has to be a team effort because you can't control the matchups. But, uh, you know, I, I would look, you know, first of all, at the Miller line and, and the Lindholm line and, and say that those are your two shutdown centermen and those are the guys that you would want out on the ice against, you know, one of the premier players in the NHL. And, and let's be perfectly honest, Nathan McKinnon's not a guy you necessarily shut down. He's a guy that you limit if you can. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think, you know, the Canucks top players have shown an ability to, to do well in matchup roles. And that'll be an interesting facet of the game tonight. It always is when, you know, they play an elite forward on the road is, you know, how, how does the, the Colorado coaching staff try to exploit a matchup? How does Rick Tockett respond to try and, and get away from that matchup if he doesn't like it? And, you know, I, I think one of the more interesting things that we haven't talked as much about this year, when we look at matchups is the fact that this is a team that's a lot better when Queen Hughes and Philip Hironic are on the ice than, than when they're not. So, you know, as much as we look at forward lines in a matchup, you know, sense and think about it that way, the real answer to that question is Queen Hughes and Philip Hironic and, and what they can do when they have, you know, the, the opportunity to be on the ice against a player like McKinnon, because we've seen more often than not that they can control play and the best way to prevent a skilled offensive player from burning you is to have the puck and not let him have it so yesterday at five on five the teddy bluger line with connor garland and Ilya mckayev not dakota joshua um, actually did okay they won the possession battle once again as they usually did when joshua was in the lineup Um, they didn't score but they didn't allow a goal either Um, but it's the pk i think where Dakota Joshua has very much been missed. Um, 
Do we know anything about the timeline for his return? Because I think we've seen over the last couple of games what he really does bring to the line. We already knew it, but now we know it for sure because he's not in the lineup and the Canucks have uh, not looked very good on the PK. Yeah, I don't know anything more about the timeline other than uh, week to week, which is what they've said. I don't know. It's possible I've missed an update on that in the past few days with things happening away from the rink for me. But, um, yeah, they miss him. And, uh, you know, this is something that Randeep and I talked about last week that I thought was going to be interesting is Joshua has been getting a lot of roses this season, and rightfully so for the way that he's played. But, you know, with all the talk about who they're going to prioritize in terms of re-signing, I thought it was going to be interesting to see how that line would do without him. Because, you know, my initial reaction in terms of who you want to try and re-sign down the lineup is that you want to solidify the center ice position. So Mm. if you said to me who's more important to bring back Teddy Bluger or Dakota Joshua, I would say Teddy Bluger, or at least I would have last week. But we are seeing how much they miss Joshua from this lineup. You know, as you allude to, from a penalty kill standpoint, you know, that line hasn't been as good, although they're certainly not a liability, but they're, they're not driving play and creating offense to the same degree that they have. And Dakota Joshua provides a physical presence that not many other guys on this team are capable of providing. He was second in the league in hits when he went out of the lineup and you know, we've seen some of the, the penalties over the last couple of games, and I'm not going to you know, try and create a narrative that says that guys are running around and trying to make up for Joshua being out of the lineup, but they do lose something without that big physical forward that can act as a deterrent and, and can you know, use his size to Im- impose his will upon the game at times. They miss not having that kind of player in the lineup, and you know, especially with the forward group, I think they really don't have another player like Dakota Joshua. So um, from a physical presence, from a penalty kill perspective, from helping that third line drive play, all of those things are, are stuff that they miss without Joshua in the lineup. And I think we are starting to see how much his value really, you know, is very important for this team and how they might have to really prioritize bringing him back because he's not the kind of player. I know, you know, I talk about the center ice position and, you know, wingers are much easier to find in terms of, you know, replacing guys that move on from your organization than, than centermen are. But Dakota Joshua, even when you look at sort of his size and, and the physicality that he brings and, you know, how he's able to help drive play for that third line, there aren't many players like him around the league that have had a year like this. But at the same time, I am hesitant to, you know, sign a bottom six forward coming off a career year. Mm to potentially a contract that might be inflated. So that that's going to be a, an interesting conversation for the offseason. But in terms of winning games right now and, and getting results at the moment, it's clear that they miss him, and hopefully they're able to get him back sooner rather than later. I'm going to put you on the spot big time now because you're back. You, you know, like we, you, you've got to learn how to play under pressure again. So I'm going to put you <laughs> on the spot here. If the season were to end today, would you vote for Nathan McKinnon for the Hart Trophy? Ooh, that is a, an interesting one. Do you want me to provide I, you some context here so you have time to think about it? Don't, don't be nice. Yes, don't give him I would a, love you Come to on, what are you doing? Okay. <laughs> okay, Kucherov is currently the NHL's leading scorer with 94 yes. points in 56 games. McKinnon has also played 56 games. He has 91 points. If you believe in plus-minus, Kuch is even. He's just a zero there. 
Uh, McKinnon is plus 14. Now we've got McDavid, who we all know was playing less than 100%. He's only played 50 games. He has 83 points, so slightly more points per game than Nathan McKinnon. And then I don't think you can forget about Austin Matthews in Toronto because he has by far the lead in terms of actual goals scored. He has 49 goals in 53 games, so almost a goal a game. The next highest goal score in the NHL is Sam Reinhart with 39 goals in 55 games. You could also pick... Connor Hellebuck and Winnipeg, you could maybe go for a defenseman, although a defenseman has not won the Hart Trophy since, I believe, Chris Pronger almost uh, a quarter of a century ago. Um, what would I, That's a lot of context, so you've, had a, lot, you've yeah. had a lot of time to think about it. Who would you vote for right now? I'd vote for Austin Matthews right now, just because the, the goal-scoring pace that we're seeing him you know, on is, is something that, you know, in recent years anyway, is relatively unprecedented. And I guess we'll have to wait and see if he can maintain that. But, you know, I I kind of look at at where some of these teams would be without these individual players. And, you know, this is not to take anything away from Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid, but there are very good players that play on those teams with those guys. Like the Oilers have Leon Dreisaitl, um, you know, the, the Avalanche have Nathan McKinnon. And not to take anything away from the Leafs, they've got Nylander and Marner, and they've got other good players too. But when you've got a guy that's scoring basically a goal every game for you, that's that's a game changer that I, I don't know if any of these other guys provide to that level. So at this moment, I'm voting for Austin Matthews, and that might be somewhat of a, a controversial opinion, certainly in this market. But, you know, Nathan McKinnon might be second on my ballot right now. Um, you know, I, Kucherov's having a tremendous year, but you know the the plus minus is down as you alluded to. The Lightning aren't having as good of a season. Um, you know, you, you kind of want to look at players elevating their their team to a certain extent, and that's part of the reason why I wasn't the biggest fan of Eric Carlson winning the Norris Trophy, even yes. though his points were off the charts because that was just a horrendous team, and he had the green light to get cheap freebie points wherever he could. Um, so, so I kind of look at that in the same lens as talking about Kucherov, but, you know, McKinnon is absolutely in that conversation. Uh, if, if you were to say that he's your vote at this point in the season, I, I wouldn't, you know, begrudge you that. And it's very possible that we are talking about him being the league's most valuable player at the end of the season, a guy that, you know, is going to hit a hundred points here very soon in the next handful of games, if he continues on the pace that he has. Um, but I just look at the, the individual feat of what Austin Matthews is doing and, and how much that has helped the Leafs team that is having a down year, uh, and, and that's where, where I would go with my vote right now. Batch, way to meet pressure with pressure. Well done. And, <laughs> hey, congratulations, buddy, to you, to the whole family, uh, and uh, welcome back to the broadcast tonight. Sounds good, and I do have to say a big thanks to Dan Riccio for filling in very admirably over the last couple of games i know he didn't get a win but jinx Riccio. he got to call 23 goals in two games so he definitely got his money's worth <laughs> oh my and, goodness. Uh, i'm uh i'm looking forward to being back with randy tonight can't wait thanks for doing this buddy see you pal thanks guys have a good one that is brendan bachelor a play-by-play voice and uh new dad as well welcoming another member to the bachelor family late last week he's back on the broadcast see 
The problem with Austin Matthews winning a heart is uh, he might split the vote with Morgan Riley, who, of course, you know, lit this fire yeah, under yeah. the Leafs with his incredible act of heroism. So I, I don't know how you decide mm-hmm. uh, between those two players in Toronto as somebody texts in, wow, Batch is a Leafs homer. I mean, what do you want us to do? He's got 49 goals in 53 games. It's out of control. Uh, not pick a Leaf? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that so hard? He's like, what do you like, what, you want us to pretend he's not having a good season? I'll actually start out my what we learned with some awards talk because – We've seen and are going to see a lot of favorites to win the individual awards. Um, we saw one uh, in the Winnipeg game mm-hmm. because Connor Hellebuck, I'm just at one sports book right now. I'm not going to name the sports book, but this sports book has for the Vezin Trophy, Hellebuck minus 195. Thatcher Demko at plus 310 is in second spot. Uh, then you've got guys like Aiden Hill, Sergey Bobrovsky. Um, Laddie, you've been talking a lot about Marky. He's plus twenty two hundred. So if you no want all to make, mark repeat, no all mark repeat. Although Jeremy Swayman is in there at plus twenty five hundred. Um, Nathan McKinnon at this particular sports book is the current favorite to win the Hart Trophy, but he's at plus one sixty. So this is a really fascinating race for the Hart Trophy. And I actually I don't know if there's been this many horses in the race at this point in the season for a while now because you've got McKinnon, you've got Kucherov, who at this book is second at plus 270. you got McDavid, who we all know can finish super strong and could end up winning the Art Ross, um, and he's at plus 340. Austin Matthews is actually fourth at plus 440. So those are four guys that are very much still in the race. Pasternak and Hellebuck are the the long shots among the group of six. Two Canucks are currently the favorites to win the awards. Quinn Hughes is minus 200 for the Norris Trophy. Kale McCarr, who we'll see tonight, is plus 150. So if you're Kale McCarr, I think he. I think one memory I do have of that game in November is that McCarr outplayed Hughes in that game. Yes, and people were like. That's why McCarr is still the best defenseman in the NHL. Now, Hughes has been unbelievable this season, and I would vote for Quinn Hughes, not just because I'm a massive homer, uh, but I would vote for him just based on his points per game and just watching him every night. It's in, it's incredible. Even that's if, if that's unfair to Kel McCarr, I don't care. Uh, and the head coach, the Jack Adams Award for Coach of the Year, um, Rick Tockett has a – uh, like a significant lead on this race. Minus 250 is Rick Tockett to be named coach of the year. In second place here is Rick Bonus. Sure. Winnipeg Jets. But Couple he's at but he's at plus eight fifty. So Torts is in there. Chris Knobloch, who of course took over yep. in Edmonton is in there. Lavi and Paul Maurice in Florida, but they're long shots. This one is Rick Tockett's to lose, and if he's going to lose it, <laughs> it's, it's going to look be, like yesterday. Yeah, it's going to look like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that you, you can moo cow my bit of ah. awards talk. By the way, I Laddie, I, I like this push that I think Merrick and Wish are on to get Marc-Andre Fleury the Lady Bing. I like I, it too. I, I like it. 
Why haven't goalies been part of the discussion it's in the true. past? It's Why is this coming up now? You can't even say like, oh, it's you know, of course they're gentlemanly, they're goalies. Like, look at Jordan Bennington. He's the least gentlemanly player in the league almost. You, you see him so, whack yeah. that guy with his butt in the other day? I didn't. But... Coming around the net, he just... Wrenched classic, the stick right into the face of the guy that was going around the net. Classic Jordan. I, I, I actually did forgot. he get fined for that? I don't yeah, know if he did, but fine. I saw the clip. I actually forgot one of the guys to mention that we've seen recently. Brock Faber, we saw yesterday, is second in the odds for the Calder Trophy. Connor Bedard is still a heavy favorite here, minus five fifty. Faber's at plus four twenty. There might be some value. Sure. In taking Brock Faber. Although Bedard's back now, so yeah. if he starts racking up goals and, and whatnot again, I believe he's, he's, he scored last night. Well, he's really egging people on because he got into it with Spencer Martin after he was staring him down after scoring a goal which got disallowed after because of an offside. And then Spencer Martin pointed at the scoreboard because it was 5-2, I think, at the time. And <laughs> if Bedard keeps poking the bear like that, he might be out for a few more games later in the season. I don't know about that. Uh, all right. I have a what we learned here. Remember, you can send yours in 650-650. We'll read them in the next segment. Uh, my what we learned is Vancouver mentioned as uh, an expansion candidate. Again, not for the NBA this time, as happens on a semi-regular basis, uh, for Major League Baseball. And this comes from... To be fair, a very credible source, uh, MLB insider Jeff Passan from ESPN, who's, I would say, like the Elliot Friedman of Major League Baseball, like top news Pretty close, yeah. insider, um, lists, ha- has a big article up today basically saying that Major League Baseball expansion is not theoretical. It is going to happen. They're going to go from 30 to 32 teams. The only question uh, is when and where. Now, he says Salt Lake City, who, of course, we've also heard in connection with the Coyotes, and Nashville are the two favorites. Uh, but beyond that, he lists a bunch of teams kind of on the – or a bunch of cities, I should say. Well, I think Nash- Nashville list. is the for sure one that we're hearing. Like, they have an ownership group. They have a plot of land. Do they have like, a stadium plan? I think they have a stadium yeah. plan. So they're the ones that are probably the most likely. And then there's the rest of the crew, which yeah. Jamie Yeah, and on there. Charlotte – Portland, San Jose, which is a little weird because Oakland is leaving the Bay Area, so I don't know how much I rate San Jose's chances, but Charlotte, Portland, San Jose, Austin, Vancouver, and Mexico City, uh, Passon says, were among the locations suggested makes, by sources. It makes no sense to me. Vancouver? Gary, Gary Bettman will always say, you need three things. You need the market, you need the stadium, and you need the ownership group. All three what of those we are, have? Are, are, are wild cards. Massive to me. question marks. I, I honestly, like base, supporting a baseball team is is so fundamentally different than the other three leagues. Like I, I think that there's, you know, if we had an NFL team, you're asking, you might have seat licenses and that sort of thing, but you're only asking people to buy like tickets to like nine or ten games mm-hmm. a season, right? Baseball is eighty one. And you're going to sell a lot of season tickets to be viable. Um, but the other two are huge, too. Like, who's going to own it? And where's the stadium? And where's the stadium? The stadium is the big one for me. I, the stadium I, I, is the massive yeah. one. I don't think right. the market is as big of a question mark as some people make it out right. to be. But, but the stadium land, especially, and you need to have it in a good yeah. location to support, like you're saying, exactly. a baseball team for where 81 games. Put, where are you going to put it? 
Just one of those, there is no one of those classic it big one... empty plots of land in Vancouver. Yeah, and it can't be like, well, they can share it with the lions and the white caps. No. I'm like, no, <laughs> they can't. Like that doesn't. Uh, and I should anymore. know MLB that. wouldn't allow that. It, it, the owner is Missouri's the... got the new twelve thousand person stadium. Maybe just build it just in conjunction with that. Yeah, yeah, just like right next to it. Um, the own the owner is a big question here because Passon says with two expansion teams, Major League Baseball would be expecting to clear four billion plus in expansion. Fees. That's a two billion dollar per uh, for team. So you need to have very, very deep pockets if you're going to get in the mix here. Look, when are they going to let the sovereign wealth funds play in this sandbox? Like, like someone who has a relationship with the PIF in Saudi Arabia and go mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I'll be the front man, and Didn't they'll be the money. One of I want to say one of those bought into the Washington Wizards. Yeah, but it's yeah, a minority but as, a, as a minority yeah, yeah. owner. They're not so, controlling. But I could see that, right? If you have local frontman majority owner with significant yeah. financial. So if backing. anyone in Vancouver has great Saudi ties, then pitch Major League Baseball on uh, getting a team. We might have a chance. They could build us a cool new stadium. There's a lot of money. Sounds awesome. Coming Let's out go. Of Saudi Let's Arabia. start the campaign. Right, give us a moo on that. We got to go uh, to break. But get your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We could use a few more. There's no awards. There's no prizes. There's no giveaways. You're, When's our next giveaway? We need got some, two tomorrow. Oh, we, oh, we got wow. two yeah. tomorrow. Two yeah, giveaways. The the Saudis. The Saudis. Yeah. <laughs> there will be a Rolls Royce available tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, you're listening to the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Vic Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. Welcome back. Final segment of Halford of Rough Your Sportsnet 650. I am... Jamie Dodd in for Mike Halford. This hour of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. Also by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. It's what we learn time. Still a chance to get yours in. No prize on the line today. You're, you're doing it for the love of the game. Just for the pleasure of competing the pleasure of participating but uh, before we get to the inbox i believe the dogs have a couple of what we learned the prize share. is our respect exactly yeah the greatest Which prize is worth of all. Lot, yeah yeah uh, i have what we learned i'm gonna play a clip for you guys you might recognize the voice it's not who i expected to hear on the call of a high school hockey game but it's a familiar voice slipped ahead the julian got it up mahar mahar looking to center it did score to julian Now that is from a Connecticut school, Kent School, and you guys recognize the voice. Now I saw this story, so I oh, know who. So it you're was. cheating? Yeah, no, no, but I'm not cheating in the moment. <laughs> but I, I saw it organically. Would you yesterday. have been able to recognize that? Voice? Probably not. It's Gary Thorne, and he is not doing ESPN games anymore. He used to call. I thought that was Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> yes, I was guessing. No, no. 
Gary Thorne is calling his grandson's high school games for Kent School in Connecticut. That's now. awesome. He does it on the side. He's, I guess, semi-retired at this point. Uh, the reason he stopped doing ESPN games was he didn't want to travel anymore. So he's just mm-hmm. staying at home, calling high school games on the live stream for his grandson, which I think is pretty it's Pretty awesome. good. Yeah. So is he retired? Well, he's semi-retired, I think. Right. I think he still does some work. He's keeping they busy. call upon him, but... Yeah, he doesn't do Orioles anymore. He doesn't do ESPN. So just there you go. High school Jeez. games. Good yeah, for that's that's cool that he gets awesome. to do his grand. Like, how many broadcasters get to call grandkids games in any sport? I wonder if he ever like rips them. Like, what yeah. is he doing? Brutal turnover there. <laughs> yeah, but they really got to get their heads in the game. Maybe Batch one day can call his Rory's games. Game. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. I love the middle name Mervin, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Awesome. So good uh, with a Y, I believe too. Yeah, yeah. Right, Swerving Mervin. U Y N. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, moo cow. Give us a moo cow. Hey, dog. Yeah, I learned that the fan expo is still a lot of fun. I went yesterday to the, it's like a comic convention pretty much, but really, 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 really big with lots of cool stuff there. Define um, cool. Well, if you go to my Twitter account at AndyCool1984, you'll see me. I, I posted a really swell picture of the Ghostbusters car, mm-hmm. and the A-Team car was there, the Back to the Future car. The A-Team car. van. A-Team van, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, people dress up. They sell comics and art, and there's a lot of guests. Like, they they had uh, Elijah Wood was there on Saturday, Frodo Baggins, you know, from the Lord of the Rings wow. trilogy. Bro, from Star Trek. Your favorite films. <laughs> yes. He's, he's, he's uh, Captain Spock from Star Trek. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, they had uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who was at the Canucks game, uh, on Saturday of uh, the uh, the Jets yes. game, he was there yesterday, so that was cool. Got to see him. Uh, he's uh, Gustavo Gus Fring, yeah, from the, uh, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Oh, right, he's, he's main- got a new show coming up, doesn't he? Probably, uh, I think he does. I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. he was in Mandalorian as well. He's, mm-hmm. he's been a lot busy of guy. Yeah, he's yeah, a busy yeah. guy. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's I I haven't been there in about ten years. I used to go back when it first started, and mm-hmm. it is a lot bigger now. Like it's it's much more popular than it used to be when I first went there. It's it's. Very, a lot more nerds very, now. Very corporate now, which is strange. Right. There's sort of a clash of cultures there a little bit. But uh, what well, yeah, was it like the T-Mobile Ghostbusters car? Or you you like see that? stuff like that there. It is a little jarring, but it's just that's the way it is now. Nerd, so, so, nerd culture is cool. So yeah, yeah. it's very popular. losers in other words. Well, <laughs> so well, oh, and uh, the year before, William Shatner was there. William Shatner. Received all your letters over the years, and, and 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 I've spoken to many of you, and some of you have traveled, you know, hundreds of miles uh, to be here. I just like to say, get a life, will you, people? <laughs> so, Adog, when you Yo. see uh, the Ghostbuster, what is, what is their name for the Ghostbuster? Echo One. Come on. Okay. Don't pretend like you don't. When know you that. see Echo One, Ecto One, Ecto, Ecto, Ecto One. Like Alfred with the gold English guy right now. <laughs> you know, you rip me for not for like constantly bringing up old movies. That's an '80s movie too. Yeah. So how do you not know that? That's why I was surprised. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Ghostbusters was, wasn't household. I, I enjoyed Ghostbusters, um, but so when you see. Ecto I think you'd identify one. with Egon Spangler. You would, you'd identify with him, I think. Okay. Just trust you, me on this. I have a question for you, though. Okay. How I'm, often does I'm Spangler despera- laugh? I'm desperately trying to ask he it had a, to you. He had a slinky and he straightened it. Okay, sorry. So, Go ahead. Um, when you see that, like, what is your emotional reaction to that? I feel like I'm five years old again. Do you start and acting that, out? And that's, you, no, no, that's no. Like, it's just cool that's what to see you're going uh, for? No, it's just right. cool to see a thing a thing you uh, revered in your childhood. Is you go to Chuck this e. Cheese the after? real like, Ecto-1? I did think that for about a second, and I caught myself. I think it's probably not. Did you, uh, why, wouldn't up his car. why wouldn't it be? No, because people, you know, they're fans that'll do up their cars as famous cars. It's pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty it is. It's a popular thing. Okay. Jeez. I'm glad. Hey, listen. 
I will take no more questions. I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) The segment is over. I'm glad you. I'm glad you had fun yesterday. I did have fun, and I was like, you know what? If there's one Canucks game to miss, it's an 11 a.m. matinee. Yeah, it'll be boring. It's gonna be boring. It's fine to miss this game, and I'm like looking at my phone the entire time, like, oh my god, what am I doing? But you got to see Ecto One. I did. So. Hey, there you go. Who's, All right, who's the real winner here? Yeah, give us a moo cow. Uh, let's print out the uh, the inbox submissions here. What we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at two hundred dollars off. Visit getfireplan.com. Oh my God, we're having a fire plan. Uh, I like this unsigned. What we learned. One we learned. I've got a long-lost cousin who is a Saudi prince. He emailed me the other day that I have inherited a large estate. I sent him my credit card info. Hopefully, I'll know soon if I have enough money to buy a major league baseball team. Wish me luck. Absolutely pursue that. That is incredible. Good luck. Bring him to Vancouver. That is fantastic. It's for civic pride. It's for Vancouver um, Absolutely, you give know, him all your financial. Well, I was going to say yeah, the yeah, only yeah. thing is you might want to include your uh, your social security number. Yeah, give him every insurance. Really, in the more financial the information yeah. you give him, yeah. the more secure it will be. The more he's going to trust you. Yes, exactly. Right? So it's trust about, is a two way street. About, it's, it's, it's about trust, uh, and you know, let's let's get those Saudis sport wash in Vancouver a few more teams, right? Yeah, sport wash us. That could be the sign. <laughs> we build a big. That we that we, <laughs> we big are sign. ready to yeah. sell out. We'll yeah, yeah. sell out. We're like Springfield when they get the film industry here like yeah. nickel and diamond for everything <laughs> ah, that's not a puffy shirt tax <laughs> we don't have puffy shirts that's a tax for people that don't wear puffy shirts <laughs> we've yeah. just completely lost all our morals because we saw the pga tour do the same thing yeah. they were like sounds great yeah if you can't beat them join them yeah. uh leave with a what we learned uh meltdowns against minnesota haven't triggered me since 2003 i'm still mad at that uh, Scott, what we learned, usually they're the mid-a-soda mild, mid-a-soda mild. Good. Very good. But yesterday was indeed wild. Yeah. I was uh, I was thinking to myself last night and this morning that I was going to try to use every word other than wild to describe the game, uh-huh. and then I've totally failed. Because it is just the most natural word to use, but it's kind of a cheesy pun uh, on top of that. Um, I wanted to read this one. This, a couple of people have texted in variations on this, and I like this because Canucks fans are looking elsewhere for things that they can feel good about around the league after these losses. Uh, James and Qualcomm Beach, I'll read this one, but as I said, other people texted in too. What we learned, I learned that Kuzmenko is not the savior that Huberto needed and is now playing on the fourth line in Calgary. I saw that as well. Look, I don't know if it was a temporary demotion for a couple of shifts. It if was it's permanent. It was all right. So the so the Flames uh, came back to beat the Jets. The, they were down 3-1 to the Jets quite early because Sean Monahan had a natural uh-huh. hat trick in the first period. Um, and then the Flames scored five unanswered goals to win the game 6-3. to um, Kuzmenko only got three shifts in the third period. So his total time on ice for the night was under... 12 minutes so So the cycle is repeating itself in calgary um ryan going back to the house of negativity what we learned when you listed those players in the heart trophy race it scares me that pd will be in the same salary range as those players to be honest he isn't close to them also is 100 points the new point per game 
I think we need to adjust how we view points as there seems to be more and more players hitting the century mark. Yeah, I'm sure it comes up in salary negotiations all the time. Uh, 100 points now is kind of like 100 points back in the 80s. It's not the mark that it used to be. It's still a very impressive number to get to, but there's been point inflation. 100%. Clearly, I think right? that I think yeah. it's, that's a really important, not just when we're evaluating PD, but just in general when you're evaluating players, scoring is up dramatically, mm-hmm. even from five or six years ago. I mean, look, Eric Carlson hits 100 points last year. Quinn Hughes might do it again. You know, we went a long time between a hundred point defensemen. We might not get them in back to back games. <laughs> right. just the league averaged nine oh four save percentage. I was going to say, just look at save percentage yeah. and where it's been. Where you know, from ten years ago to where it is now. I still have trouble with that. I I, I see a goalie with a, like a nine oh five. I'm like, ooh, tough season. Well, you did it guy. earlier this year because yeah. you're or the, today on the show because you're like Casey DeSmith. Oh, he's dropped that save percentage down. It's like eight ninety seven or something, which mm-hmm. is. Right around league average. It's not that far under league average when you really think about it. It's probably about pretty normal backup rate, actually, at this point. And at the same time, when you see a goalie now with like a 915, it's like, oh my goodness, they're having an incredible season. I I will hold firm on anything below 900 being unacceptable. I'm just going to hold. That's my Mendoza line. That's a harder line to to draw now. But I I do think it's important when you're evaluating players to take that into account. Now, the thing, the other point Ryan makes about PD being in the same salary range as, you know, guys like McKinnon, McDavid, et cetera, Austin Matthews. I think the flip side though, is that the salary cap is going up as well. Now, some of Mm -hmm. those guys have signed those deals relatively recently. So you could make that argument, but as much as you might look at it and say, well, you know, 100 points, it's not as uh, it's not as hard to do as it used to be. So can you pay a guy just for getting to that milestone a couple of times there? Like if, if Elias Pettersson signs eight years at 12.5 in two or three seasons, that's going to look like a bargain. Mm. What would McDavid get? To, what would his cap hit be today if he were to sign? If he was in Petey's position, so one year left of RFA, so... What what do you think he'd think be? Sixteen or seventeen? Yeah. Like well, is that allowed? How high can I was you get say, right what's now? What's the limit? The limit what's is usually twenty percent, I think. Right. So that would be like sixteen and a half to seventeen. Something yeah. Like that. And he he didn't take it all. He did, he no. could have taken more. He could have got more. So I bet you would see him at like fifteen because okay. hockey players, for whatever reason, he could yeah. go for the max. He would try and get they his don't. number in there somehow. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which always kills me. I'm like, oh. That's cool, but it costs you multiple millions <laughs> yeah, of dollars. Yeah, why didn't you just make more money? One that. more note on the save percentage <laughs> thing. Actually, Nathan Cantor, the voice of the Vancouver Giants here on 650, uh, ran the numbers of the WHL league average save percentage, 891. So junior hockey numbers are even lower these days. Mm-hmm. 890s is a good save percentage. It's like we're back in the 1980s all but that, over again. But that's also important when you're looking at, uh, I wonder what it is in the AHL. Yeah, that's a good uh, Lower question. than the NHL usually. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, that is important when you look at you know draft prospects yep. or prospects in the minors. Um, James from Richmond, not a what we learned, but I wanted to read it anyway. I sure hope the Canucks are not creating a precedent where teams know they can lean on them in the third and they will fold. The thing about the Canucks is remember how what their record was taking a lead into the third period. It's still really good. It has to be really good. Because it was perfect until like what three weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, that was their first um, regulation loss in the after leading going into the third. I think what might start to become a book on the Canucks, and maybe this is something that Rick Tockett is um, being careful with and, and trying to nip in the bud, is that you can antagonize the Canucks and yeah. get them off their game. Yeah, 
and make them lose their composure and maybe they start taking penalties. Maybe they start running around looking for hits. Um, it's just the last couple of yeah. games. They so lose focus. They, they lose. Yeah. They lose focus, um, which would kind of be related to that. But to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not at the point of where I'm worrying about that because I still see this as a little bit of a blip where the Canucks are going through something right now. Um, it's adversity or whatever you want to call it. I think they're missing uh, some key guys and Susie. Who we mentioned earlier, you know, they're having some problems defending off the rush. Um, he also helps on the PK, as does Dakota Joshua. So they just need to pull themselves together a little bit. And this is going to be on the head coach, Rick Tockett, and it's also going to be on the leadership group and as a team as a whole. Uh, Gunner from Kelowna texts in what we learned. I learned that Logan Stankoven has been called up by the Dallas Stars leading the AHL in points. Yeah, I saw that today as well. Of course, or of course, uh, Leg- Logan Stankoven from Kamloops played his junior hockey, had a great junior career with the Kamloops Blazers. 57 points in 46 games for the Texas Stars in the AHL this year. Just a matter of time before they called him up. He gets the call, so he'll be in line at some point to make his NHL debut. First of all, congratulations to a BC guy from Kamloops getting the call. Of course, also a chance to point out that uh, the Canucks famously passed on mm-hmm. Logan Stankoven in the second round of the 2021 NHL draft. Picked Danila Klimovich instead. And we had Tom Gallardi on a little while back, and he was just over the moon about Stankoven. Like, he was so excited for this kid to, yeah. to get to the NHL. Uh, he has been a stud in the AHL, so big potential boost and add uh, for the Dallas Stars down the street. What a freaking boost. And again, congratulations to Logan Stankoven. Mike, the urologist from Brockville, what we learned. Dakota- love, love Mike, by the way. Yeah. I know he's a controversial figure on the show. Some people think he gets too much attention. He has good text. a prima donna. Oh, I'm a urologist. He is, too. Halford thought Brockville was a made-up place. I, did you I know that? that? I that did. so good. I did see that. He it thought was it was like the, Ogdenville the, yeah, or Brockway? North Haverbrook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the monorail places, right? Yeah. yeah. He's adorable, that guy. What we learned, Dakota Joshua is watching the PK and this team the last couple of games with his eyes bulging out of his sockets with dollar signs instead of pupils. Yeah, if there's one guy that's profited over the last two games, yep. well, number one, it was overbetters yesterday. Yes. Um, and uh, also Dakota Joshua. Um, I wonder what his number is ultimately going to be. And I wonder what that negotiation is going to be like because – it could be one of those negotiations where the Canucks go, here's our offer. You might be able to get a better offer on the open market, but you got a pretty good thing going here. Yep. Do you want to go off and test uh, that you're going to find the role and the fit that you have on other teams? Because it doesn't always work that way. And Dakota Joshua might be like, well, for $3 million more, Yes. <laughs> yes, that's the thing, right? Because you look at Dakota Joshua, he's going to turn 28 in May. Yeah. Like, this is his chance. This is his chance. This is his yeah. chance. If there's a team that's willing to go out and drastically overpay, man, that's going to be really hard like, for him like, to pass up. I will always not criticize, but question a player that's going to make $100 million and wants that extra $10 million more. But I won't question a guy who's like, ugh. I haven't made all that much money in the NHL, yeah. and this is my chance to choose between like 
$5 million and $10 million, you know, I'm not going to question that's that a, guy for going pretty, for the money. Pretty easy choice, yeah. Uh, I think, ultimately. And that's why I think it's going to be really hard for them to get Dakota Joshua done. Thanks for texting in. Thanks for uh, for listening today. Enjoy the game tonight. Uh, hopefully it's a little more on the rails than that one yesterday. We will be back tomorrow to break it all down. You've got it right here on Sportsnet 650.